Welcome to Blooming Out on Community Radio, WFHB. Blooming Out is a forum by and for the LGBTQ plus community. Each week we explore the issues, events pertaining to the LGBT community in Indiana, the U.S., and internationally. We speak with guests about human rights, coming out, the legality of being gay, and much more. Blooming Out is a multiple award-winning program here on Community Radio, WFHB. Thanks for listening to Blooming Out. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Blooming Out. I'm Frankie Preslav. I'm Melanie Davis. Um, today, I want to welcome Jennifer Bass um, in the studios. We're going to be talking about a segment called Equality, or Marriage and Quality, Stories from the Heartland. Um, and this month is a little bit of a twist. Um, uh, Kelly Compton, my uh, husband of 25 years, is in studio tonight, and we're going to discuss uh, the story that uh, Jennifer did on us. So later on at the bottom of the hour, well, you guys will get to interview us Aww. on that. So uh, looking forward to that. So how are we doing, Melanie? Uh, doing great. Um, things are moving at a thousand miles an hour. Thousand. Uh, but I got some good news. Let's hear. So we just, uh, a group of us just got together and started the official process of uh putting together the Bloomington PFLAG uh, group. So we will be coming out uh, in January and we'll we'll pepper the town with flyers and leaflets and dancing people in costumes. Probably not that. Why? Um, <clears throat> to get the word out and let people know that we're here uh-huh. and I invite them to a potluck that we're going to plan for the end of the month. So for our listeners that might not know what PFLAG is, tell us. Parents and fa- Families of Lesbians and Gays. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was started um, back in the days of the AIDS crisis mm-hmm. uh, for people to come together and support their loved ones. And then it blossomed out as love does. And um, and it it's a way for people to, to get together, to um, share stories, to uh, support their family members. And friends who uh, are LGBT, IQ plus, everything else um, in between. Everything else there. Uh, right. It's not just lesbians and gays. Right. They've, they've expanded it, but the name stays the same for recognition. Right. And I'm really excited. Um, there's a Spencer chapter that we're uh, kind of learning from. Yeah, Spencer. They're just always. Uh, Spencer's amazing. the flag on. I love them. They're great. So and you're piggybacking off piggybacking off them. Yes. Yeah. We're using. Uh, them as a, a, a model and uh-huh. a, now a wait now course. bloomington hasn't ever had a chapter is that, am i we, wrong no or? we did have a chapter okay, okay. um before i was here okay. uh, a thousand years ago uh, wait, wait i'm not that old okay. um uh, <laughs> years ago. yes thank you <laughs> uh and it uh disbanded and well, i'm not exactly sure why uh i mean i can suppose it's because bloomington is such a open and loving community that it wasn't uh uh seem seemingly necessary right. uh or as necessary as it mm-hmm. was before and uh interest was down but interest is back up and we've talked to a lot of uh people families especially now that there are uh younger lgbt folk coming out do you out. think because of the trump administration and what's going on with kind of all the craziness in washington 
that this could be one of the reasons that uh, well you know me i'm not political not so at all. right um I'd, I'd hate to no it's actually probably very true there's a lot of anxiety mm -hmm. um and with all of the changing uh uh, the shifting sands right. uh, with regulations and with with you know suggested guidelines for schools and and uh, different organizations within the federal government even uh, there's just a lot of need to get together and to talk right. and to come and and figure out what we're going to do next right no it's, it's so important to, to have that and to be ahead of it all or you know and not just kind of sit back and watch and i think that's what happens or is happening that people are really frustrated and they want to do something and they are scared you know the youth and, and, yeah. and the adults um and you want to make sure that your voice is out there and people have a plan right and we can support one another and know it's going to be okay in the end if we all stick together i mean we've, we've we have made a lot of ground Right. Um, and we want to continue to hold on to what we have and continue to make more. Exactly. Yeah. So um, you might have said this and I didn't listen. <laughs> Do you have a location? Or are you still working on that? We're we're going to come out uh, later when, with okay. a, a set location and, and time. Okay. I'm kind of jumping the gun here and, and saying Talking it because I'm really excited. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll have it. It'll be at the end of January. So okay. probably January 30th. So we'll, we'll be listening. Uh, I, I then we'll have you on the community uh, <laughs> updates. We have to, you know, hear it. Oh, yeah. Out, right? Yep. Here and everywhere where people can be seen and or heard. Yeah. Well, that is just awesome. And, and I'm excited about that. Thanks. So, and I said, yeah, and make sure you stay on top of it. So I will show up and, and do my thing. Yeah. Well, I'm the secretary. Oh, you of, are the secretary, yeah, not so, the president. Well, no, I was the third person to show up. So okay. the third, the third <laughs> office down was secretary. Okay. Well, I just <laughs> want to be bottle washer. I don't know. Don't awesome. I'll put you down. <laughs> yeah. There. I'll, I'll sweep the floors. And Kelly can be vice bottle washer. Yeah, definitely. Because no? he loves okay. to volunteer. That's yeah. really like his thing. Um, so let's, there's a lot happening in LGBTQ news. Oh yeah. That's, uh, very true. Um, so we go to Michigan where Christy and Dana Dumont have been together for 12 years and married for seven. They were ready to start a family. Uh, but when they reached out to the two foster care agencies, both organizations close to them, uh, they were denied right off the bat. Their clear and legal reason for doing so because the couple is lesbian. They just didn't uh, get to know us at all. It was just one little thing that we were two women together, and that was it, Christy DeMont said. Both uh, agencies and many more across the 10 states uh, in the United States were allowed to deny otherwise qualified foster or adoptive parents their services based on religious beliefs. These are agencies that receive taxpayer funds. People who support the laws that support giving money to these agencies um, uh, say that this uh, claim that this funding based uh, faith based agency is necessary to keep their them functioning and that this does not prevent same-sex couples from using other agencies within the state that do not openly practice discrimination I mean r religious exemptions <laughs> Opponents of uh, state-sponsored discrimination, I said that again, point out facts that, that greater percentages of same-sex couples foster children than do different-sex couples, and that cutting kids off from prospective homes is detrimental to the 438,000 kids in the foster care system. The DeMott said another same-sex couple sued the, uh, the state of Michigan uh, to end its practice of letting faith-based uh, 
contractors use religious criteria to screen couples for foster care. The American Civil Liberties Union is representing both couples in the lawsuit filed on September two, uh, 2017, or 2017, 20, <laughs> sorry, 2017 against the State Department of Health and Human Services and Children's Services Agency. The couples say that they don't object to the law itself, just the state's implementation of it as it relates to state contractors. Other challenges to the sanctioned discriminatory practices are mirrored elsewhere, too. Wow. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's happening, and a lot of people aren't thinking about it. You know, they, you know, people, uh, you know, get on the bandwagon about adopting and going out and, you know, servicing all these children, and the big problem is there's not enough people to adopt all these kids. So we pull out an entire pool of individuals that have um, loving homes, um, and, you know, and, and basically who are you punishing the children right. because of your own biases and bigotry. Um, and it just makes no sense in the name of Christianity um, and, and shame on all of them right. and, and shame on anybody that supports that. I, I you know, I, 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 it's hard for me to kind of wrap my head around this, the part where people say, you know, if, you know, this is my belief and, you know, you can have your belief and you have other options. But if you're a child sitting in a foster home or, you know, a state-sponsored, they're not orphanages, they don't necessarily have, but, you know, waiting for a placement and mm -hmm. there are people out there that want to be your parents and this, you know, this agency is saying, no, you know, you, we can't even think about you, then the kid stays and possibly ages out and it's it's criminal i think you know it's just disgusting i can't i don't have enough <laughs> so the justification for this is a religious freedom mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so uh, there are other agencies is what they're saying right this, yeah yeah that uh and that's seems to be happening more and more with the challenges to the laws around i have the right to refuse services to people because they don't they don't follow my religious beliefs. Right. It just doesn't make any sense right. in this country that that... And it's that particular religious belief. And if you get into just so many, you know, it's just looking for perfection, which doesn't exist. Right. And, you know, look what has is happening with the Catholic Church. And mm -hmm. you keep finding more and more abuse with priests and, you know, agencies, you know, that, that are running these agencies. And, you know, this was schools or, you know, state-sponsored schools or anything, and this was going on, you know, they'd be out of business or they would like, you know, this is not necessarily what we measure the bar with, on, right. you know. And so it's just because, you know, you, you have the big C in front of your name, you know, your religion, doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be the moral of, you know, of, of decisions out there and going to be the best choice. And not to say that there aren't good Christian, you know, adoption agencies out there. Right. Um, but I can't see how you're a good Christian um, adoption agency out there if you're denying a child an opportunity to have a home because of your, you know, because you can't walk outside the box for a minute. You can't come over to maybe my house and, and you know, meet my children and my family or my friend's children and their family. I'm not saying we're, you know, this is the perfect, you know, we're just, a, we're a normal home, you know, that just happens to have two dads. Yeah. Um, and, you know, go next door, you got mom and dad, and, you know, everybody has their, their, their issues, but we get so locked in, you know, on, 
it, it's a virtual wall building, right. you know, and, and when your belief, <clears throat> sorry, system is uh, saying one thing and life is proving another, like, you know, you go to school and your friends have same sex dads and they're growing up happy and fine, but your parents are telling you that, uh, and your church is telling you that that is a, a, a sin and a crime and it's, de- it's detrimental to children. Right. You know, you're, you're experiencing that that's not true. Right. And so in order to protect that fallacy that's being taught uh, to each other and, and children, you know, they have to construct these uh, uh, barriers. Right. And they have to exclude people and they have to separate themselves. And um, because experience just shows that and numbers show that 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 right. the the you know this being a danger to kids well yeah all this study and research shows that if anything it's equal that there's no difference you know you see there are actually there is research out there saying the kids actually do a little better within the lgbt families um comparable but you know i don't know it could be a little biased stuff out there self-selected right exactly (laughs) um but at the same time you know a family's a family and when you you know look at the American cross culture of of what a family is. You got grandmas, you got uncles and aunts, you have siblings, you have um, neighbors, you have all types of people that are, you know, you know, teaming up and becoming the village out there. And, you know, that's the family. Right. And then for us to stop and say, you know, for society, I mean, it just it just boggles my mind because we've made so much progress. And, you know, it's like walking back 20 years when I you know, or more now, 30 years, when I first started, you know, our journey with adoption, um, that, you know, all the stuff we went through and and the prejudice and, you know, the, the stress, and obviously it happened, and then to see the changes happen and progress, progression in a positive way, and then all of a sudden the brakes are thrown on, and, you know, a whole generation of children are going to suffer mm-hmm. before somebody wakes up and you know sees that you know maybe we didn't make the right choice but it's going to be too late we'll have more prisons yeah. and more electric chairs and you know yeah and more well, criminal. well maybe maybe the fights are easier to find now right you know those it wasn't always the case that it was that same-sex couples could adopt right, right. i mean you, in your case for instance you could, but you couldn't necessarily find the right judge in Indiana right, right. who would allow that to happen. You were lucky to have Judge Talaferro right. here, right? But, um, you know, for the rest of the country, we're now being shown those examples, which were a dime a dozen right. 10 years ago, right. right? People being denied the right to, or children being denied a home because the, the foster parents were same sex. Right. So I think in a way it is better but we do still find these fights that we have to be vigilant about. Right. And it's just so sad. Again, I, I always go back to kind of the, the kids that are going to be left out and the kids that are going to be stuck in the system. And it's, it's all because of, you know, in, in my opinion, just people being stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, kind of piggybacking this story, um, we have an interesting story about a, a Jewish couple that was involved in the foster care, or is involved in the foster care system. Beth Lesser and her husband were foster parents for 10 years. They wanted to volunteer to mentor uh, the children in foster care after they'd moved from uh, Florida to South Carolina, so they contacted a local group for assistance and went through training. After training and completing background checks, 
Lesser said Protestant Christians were given an application and told that they could work for staff at Miracle Hill Ministries. Lesser, who is Jewish, said she wasn't given the opportunity to work with Miracle Hill, which was a significantly higher, has a significantly higher pool of children. She was told by Miracle Hill staff that she wasn't selected because she didn't share the organization's Christian beliefs. The organization, which began in 1937, has also faced scrutiny over its hiring practices that included employing only staff with certain religious beliefs. Miracle Hill is the largest provider of foster families in South, for foster families in South Carolina. If the organization continues to insist on only working with potential mentors and foster patients or parents who share its religious beliefs, the nonprofit risks not receiving millions of dollars as, as it has over the years from state and federal government for its fostering programs. In recent letters to Miracle Hill and the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and as part of its re his re-election campaign, South Carolina Governor McMaster has said that Miracle Hill should receive a waiver so it can continue to receive state and federal money for its foster care services. Karen Wingo, a spokesman for DSS, said there are 11 church-affiliated Christ or Christian-based child placement services in South Carolina currently, but Miracle Hill is the only one that has religious requirements for foster parents. Miracle Hill provides about 100 families each year, Layman said, for about 100 families each year, Flayman said. That number is achieved in part because of its religious approach, Miracle Hill supporters say. Lesser said, after Miracle Hill refused to allow her to mentor a child because of her religious beliefs, she filed a discrimination complaint with DSS last year. <clears throat> and uh, that that is still an ongoing uh uh, litigation. Um, there, nothing is settled in that case yet. We're right. still waiting for it, but so, at least it's out in the open. Right, it's out in the open, and, and it just shows it's just not the LGBT community that's going to be affected with these, you know, new policies um, allowing discrimination. And you know, people, are like, well, it's not me, so I don't necessarily need to worry. And you think, well, I'm not Jewish, so maybe I don't need to. Worry. But it, it'll be you next, right? You know, it's if we give people, you know, this much rope, it's it's going to go a long ways, and it's just going to get narrow and nar more narrow and narrow um, as time goes. Um, so again, getting these out, like you said, Jennifer, you know, talking about it and and you know, letting people kind of you know, get their head wrapped around what, what these discrimination policies mean. It's not going to just affect, you know, one minority group. It's going to affect everybody mm -hmm. in some ways. Well, and, and this doesn't only speak to, um, you know, traditionally marginalized groups. Uh, also, there, it, there is discrimination against uh, Catholic people uh, when it comes to... Uh, evangelical Christians organizations uh, and as well as Jewish people and uh, uh, LGBT folk and, and and I want to concentrate on this because it, it, it's come up several times this week in news stories uh, that evangelical Christianity is kind of the heart of the religious freedom or religious uh, uh, discrimination mm -hmm. uh, push and uh, they were talking, uh, there was a study saying that now more uh, Muslim Americans uh, agree with or uh, are okay with same-sex couples than, uh, or same-sex marriage than uh, are Protestant mm -hmm. Christians. And, and that's, that's a huge difference because, um, you know, what we're bombarded with in the news 
is that Muslims are are no. not accepting. They're 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 not assimilating. They're not they don't know how to live in American culture, and yet in this area and many others, uh, here they are very American in in their beliefs and their practices, um, but it's evangelical uh, ideology that seems to be holding back so much and f- and pushing back for the the gains that we've made so. yeah it's again it's one of those things that we just need to kind of keep our eyes and ears open on and and be able to go so we're going to take a music break and we'll be right back with more <laughs> Listening to it rain for days, but now the storm's giving up its fight. High alone at home, so long I'll put the window in the town tonight and ride my bike around this cried-out city and the streets sting. The lonely sound is like the end of the record. Started with that. So if I'm getting the thrill from the street bars and the candy-colored jukebox light and this mystery boy rides home with me, ring ring goes the bell on my bike. Damn these rules we carved in stone. I wanna bust them into pieces on the dance floor. Welcome back to Blooming Out. You have been listening to The Last Rock and Roll Boy to Dance by Amy LeVere. Hi there. We have uh, 
for the holiday season. It's, we're coming up. Uh, Christmas is right literally around the corner. And a lot of people are traveling and going back home. And that can be stressful for folks in the LGBTQ community uh, traditionally. So if you're going back home, we have five survival tips for LGBTQ people spending the holidays with family. The holidays, it's time to hang tinsel and unpack ornaments, time to get those last minute shop, that last minute shopping done and wonder if anyone really sends cards anymore. I know I don't. I keep saying I will. I've bought cards, I never send them. And so it's time to steal yourself for another visit to your Aunt Betty's and, <laughs> <laughs> and to face the family once more. Uh, what do we have to look forward to? Dead naming and proper pronouns that are thrown in a little too often. The probing guilt-tinged barrage of heteronormative questioning that about getting married and having babies. And, and that's apart from all the political jabs and requests for you to become a spokesperson for, or trial lawyer for your people. So how can you engage with these folks and not spend New Year's on the lam? Number one, make a plan. You know yourself best. Get it together a list of your boundaries before you even cross the threshold. What are the things that you're not going to want to deal with? And what will it take to keep you on an even keel? Write them out and keep them close in mind. If you know the things that you need to de-stress when those times crop up, plan some time for those too. Make, uh, maybe there's a favorite dinner diner nearby you can escape to, a good book you've wanted to delve back into. You may even want to plan a call with those friends in the same situation (laughs) so you can get some mutual care time in. Misery does love company. At any rate, plan for me time to get away from a stressful situation and recenter. You'll thank yourself later. Number two, practice makes perfect. Preparedness is your friend if this is the first holiday back home after coming out and or starting a gender transition. Spend uh, Spend some time now to plan out what you want to say when you hit the door and how you'll handle those awkward moments. Having all the words in mind for how you'll share your feelings will save you a lot of time and trouble later. Plan now uh, how you'll ask for your orientation to be respected, as well as anything like name or pronouns. You may wish to have a few resources at hand too, helpful URLs or books you can share for those who might be receptive and willing to get a push in the right direction. The more you can share your truth and how well you can will help others to respect your needs. Number three, and this is a hard one, hold it in or hold your head high. This is tricky. If you haven't come out yet, be aware that the holidays are a hard time to do so. You may be tempted by the chance to have the whole family together as a moment to come out to everyone at once, but bear in mind that doing so at the holidays will usually not be taken as well. At the holidays, there's a level of stress that is always just beneath a veneer of cordiality, and this might be what brings it to the surface. In addition to any other homo or transphobia, some of you, uh, some may view as selfish and wanting to make the holidays all about you. In short, if you can weather the holidays without taking that first step, it might be wise. Consider maybe coming out quietly to possibly support a family member uh, present instead and building some confidence, then plan to come out once uh, your tinsel tide is finished. If you are already out, however, then the opposite may be true. Walk with confidence and be proud of yourself. Exude confidence so that they can see that coming out is serving you well. Living well is the best revenge, and it will set you above your haters.
Number four, be ready to correct people over and over. You have lived your life knowing who you are and have spent a lot of time figuring things out. Your relatives haven't. They're going to flub pronouns and names and suggest that you that you talk to, quote, that nice guy or girl that they know. It's important to not just shrug this off, but to gently correct. Not only will this help keep you centered, it will help them to know that this is an important part of your identity and allow them to learn, be clear, be all, but also be patient. Old habits are hard to break, and they may need some time to adjust. Of course, for some of these little errors, are, some of these little errors are intentional. For them, you may need to be a bit more forceful in your response, letting them know that their continued actions are hurtful and will not be tolerated. This will also be a time when having an ally in the family will benefit you, allowing you to make it less of a one-on-one -on -one confrontation. And number five, get some me time after the holidays. Once the holidays are over and done with, at least with your family, get some time with your friends and peers. Getting away to a place where you can be affirmed is key to shaking any lingering ill feelings from the family. You may even plan a holiday right after uh, time spent with the family to get away from having or from heavy uh, from having fun on your own with those close to you. You can even make that part of family visit uh, if you uh, have to travel to see them. Simply add another stop onto the trip. Even if you can't get away, plan for a little me time after the holidays with a, co a couple of your favorite uh, friends and a warm beverage, some cozy socks, your favorite calming activity. No matter what happens, know that you remain you and no family member can really take that away from you. Here's to a happy and healthy holiday season for you, and may we all get through it in one piece. Wow. So everybody get that down. Do you, do you have any, uh, you know, tips for your number six? So I was thinking about uh, one more that's not really included, and that's something that's really important at the holidays uh, that we haven't touched on, and that's for people who aren't going home to family right? Um, for many reasons. Um, and that, in that connectedness, the big F family, right? Mm -hmm. The family of your friends and your peers and those that you've chosen. Right. Try to spend some time with them. Call some people up. If you know some people who are in a vulnerable situation, give them a call. Let them know that you're thinking about them. And uh, and try to get together just for fun, maybe a dinner, maybe games. Um, but it's still about family. Right. So Yeah, mix it up. You know, I think we all get stuck into what tradition's supposed to be, and it's okay to make something... You know, make your own tradition. Right. And, uh, you know, remember, it's it's just a day. You're okay. <laughs> <laughs> we get, you know, so locked up on it. Everybody's, you know, this time of year, you just see the, the stress just approach people. It's like all over them. And it's not supposed to be about that, but apparently it is all about that. And, you know, taking a lot of deep breaths and realizing, you know, what the season's about. And it doesn't have to be, you know, an awful time. And yes, reach out to your friends and, you know, and, and, and family that might be out there and, and, and make that phone call and stuff. So good tips. Thank Thanks. you. Um, Ireland. Yeah, we have um, Jennifer Bass here from the, um, she's the project director of Marriage Equality Stories from the Heartland with the um, Department of Gender Studies at IU. And um, 
we're here to listen to an episode of the podcast Just Married, if That's I'm right. correct. All right. Yeah, this is a special one because it features Frankie, our host. Our host. <laughs> <laughs> and his husband, Kelly, though he, I think Kelly hates that word. So let's just call it the two of them. <laughs> <laughs> the two of them. <laughs> so we'll get back to uh, talking to them after the podcast. If not now, tell me when. If not now, Welcome to Just Married, stories about love and citizenship in the decade of marriage equality. I'm Jennifer Bass. This show tells the story of same-sex couples in the heartland and their journeys into marriage. I had no clue that this piece of paper was going to, to make such an impact on me at that moment. Piece of paper. I don't know what it was, but, you know, it, may, it definitely made a difference. Frankie and Kelly got married in New York City on November 4th, 2013, exactly 19 years after they met. With them at the wedding was Kelly's mom, Frankie's New York family, friends, and their children. Frankie and Kelly's story can't really be told without the kids. The kids, eight in all. But first, there were just two. Frankie was a 21-year-old college student when he adopted two boys. Dylan and Devin were in a homeless shelter where Frankie'd been volunteering. Their mom needed help, they needed attention, and with his own mom as backup, Frankie decided to take on the long-term commitment of raising a pair of brothers. Though he cleared all the adoption requirements and was in good standing with the state, a young single guy with kids brought judgment and unwanted attention. Back then, and maybe some today too, it's like, you know, there's stereotypical things like, you know, is he a pedophile, you know. So it was scary. Um, so I kept things kind of, well, very much on the, on the download and decided that, that I just wasn't going to be able to come out ever. I thought one day I'd wake up and I would be heterosexual. I kind of knew I wasn't. But, you know, I'd pretty much go to bed every night, kind of asking God, you know, to bring some woman that would help change me or something. Because um, I wanted a family really bad. That was my number one goal. Frankie had dated women, loved women. Searching for Ms. Wright was not working for him. Four years after adopting the boys, Frankie put an ad in the local weekly. So I went ahead and took out a little thing and said, I think bi, looking for other bi. And I described myself as um, straight, what did I say? I'm straight acting football player type, <laughs> looking for bi, straight acting, no, no fam, no fam, no fam, fam, no fam. No fam, no fam. <laughs> So I had to have somebody that I could fake with. Um. Enter Kelly, a handsome 21-year-old closeted college student living at home in rural Martinsville with his parents. He took the bait, and they planned to meet at Frankie's. Frankie describes their first meeting. Um, you know, and my mom was living with me half-time. Um, she was lived up in Indianapolis and would come down and help me with the boys during the, the like, half the week. So this was a day that she was not there. And so you know, I had to get the house, I had to make kid proof, I had to get rid of all the kid stuff. And I had no like plans initially of what was going to kind of happen. Kind of sporty looking car kind of coming around early, it was early in the afternoon. 
and I look out and I I just just I knew that was him. I was like, holy shit, I scored. And you know, he just kind of you know came around the corner. <laughs> it was a cul de sac. It was a cul de sac. Drive by. Yeah, so I was like, I knew it was him, and I could see him kind of like trying to sneak by. And I was like, yeah, I was like, figured you know, that who else would be cruising the cul de sac? <laughs> Let's just say that for our first meeting, it was a big success. But there was one little thing that Kelly didn't know about this guy, kind of like the stuffed elephant in the room. Here's Kelly to tell his part of the story. I go to his house, you know, we talked for a while, and, you know, I had to use the restroom, so I go in, there's a, there's a shoe in there. There's a little kid's shoe. And <laughs> I come back out. He didn't clean that well. Um, and I come back out. I said, so you live in this house all by yourself? Because it had a basement, a walkout basement, and a two-story. And I was like, he's like, yeah, I live here all by myself. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't ask. I didn't say whose shoe is that. We talked on the phone Saturday, and that's when he told me. I have kids. I have two kids. With that, so that was like my first coming out, just admitting that I had children. Things progressed. Frankie was ready to come out to his mother. Mimsy was open and progressive, the world's most loving person, according to her son. It should have been a no-brainer. But when you're a couple of jokers, the conversation can quickly dissolve. Didn't go quite as smoothly as expected. And I was just like, Mom, I got something to tell you. And every time I like come close to it, and I don't joke about it, nothing. Um, and I could not get the word out. And I finally got the word out. I was like, Mom, I'm gay. And she goes, no, you're not. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm gay. No, you're not. You're going to convince me that you're gay. And then you're going to screw with me and tell me. You can laugh at me and say, ha ha. And you know. So I was like, no, Mom, I'm gay. I'm really, this is hard for me. You are not. I'm not falling for it, Frankie. You're full of shit. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I built myself up to this. And now she's like not believing me because, you know, I screw around with a lot. And, you know, came, karma came knocking back at me at that time. So I had to convince her. I was like, no, mom, seriously, I'm gay. So Now, Kelly was really in no rush to reveal his sexual orientation to his parents. He was spending a lot of time at Frankie's, coming home late. His parents were beginning to wonder about this friend. So we were hanging out a lot. I wasn't home anymore like I used to be. And, you know, she was just like, well, who the hell is this? You know, why, what, what are you doing? You know, she's very, like, inquisitive and asking tons of questions. She called me from Florida. They were on vacation in Florida. And she called and she was talking about, I don't remember how it even came up. And she said something about, is Frankie gay? And I said, yes. And she's like, are you gay? And I said, yes. And this is exactly, for word for word, what she said to me on the phone after I told her I was gay. She's like, you mean you Sorry, but FCC regulations won't allow us to repeat what his mom said to him. I did finally hang up on her when she's like, after all we've done for you. I was like, click. But that was then. Kelly's parents lightened up and Frankie and Kelly settled into life taking care of the two boys, ferrying them to sports practice and doctor's appointments, the stuff you do as parents. The boys were growing up and getting ready to leave home. Kelly was dreaming of vacations and freedom from childcare, but Frankie had another answer to Empty Nest. I don't know if you remember this at all, but Rosie O'Donnell had this big special where they, all these gay families went on a cruise and there was a documentary about it. And we watched that, and he's that was it. Then he's like, oh, I gotta go. I gotta have more kids. And you bought into it. 
I agree. We compromised. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, we'll get our foster parents license and we'll get oh. two. They'll be older. And that's what it was going to be. So. Well, it didn't quite turn out that way. The first call came at the end of 2002. There was a nine-year-old boy with intellectually disabled parents who needed a stable home. Next, a few months later, they called about a four-year-old, heavily medicated and living in a psych hospital. This little boy had been severely abused. They took them both. They called again at the end of June of 2004 and said, we have a sibling group of three. One boy is six years old. There's a girl. She's 18 months old. And then there's a baby who's three months old. No, they said six months. Well, I know, but he would end up being three months old. Big difference. One had been in a psych hospital. One had been severely abused. One had witnessed a shooting, sex abuse, failure to thrive, cognitive delays. One had been put into ice baths to calm him down. And the three-month-old was never out of a car seat. And then we, they called and said, you know, Bailey's mom is pregnant. Will you take the baby? The baby was born two weeks premature, weighed less than five pounds. Thank God for our village, because everybody, you know, boom, baby's coming, and everybody showed up, stuff, and to meet the baby, and your parents, and everybody. So we went from two to eight in less than a year. The state of Indiana allowed Frankie and Kelly to adopt the kids nobody else wanted, from failed heterosexual parents, but they couldn't be legally married if they wanted to because they're gay. Back in the early days of their relationship, the guys took a spring break trip to New York. Frankie introduced Kelly to the extended family and to the city itself. I always had a big love for the Brooklyn Bridge and that area and, you know, like looking down, just kind of talking about silly stuff that you just didn't even think was going to be literally possible in our lifetimes, and that was marriage. If it ever legal, we'll get married on the Brooklyn Bridge. It was just kind of like, just silly kind of talk that we never really thought. We were on top of the, you know, Twin Towers at that point. It all came together in 2011 when New York became the sixth state to legalize same-sex marriage. We just wanted it quick and over and done and we we're going to go play in the city. And my aunt, who was 80 at the time, or a little older than that, um, said, absolutely not. You know, you're going to have a wedding. And, you know, she go, we will plan it. We will set it all up. We'll pay for it. I mean, it was really important to the family that we have this, this thing. And, she, and we wanted her to marry us. They set a date, November 4th. Aunt Carol got ordained to do the marriage. She and the family planned the wedding in view of the Brooklyn Bridge. So we, we walk through and everybody, the, the crowds go um, apart and we go in there. And then everybody closes in on us, you know, comes around. And my aunt, <laughs> we look at her and she has this robe on. It's white, and she looks like a justice, and she's standing there. She was going to be official. And so she went to the, um, it was around October, so she went to the um, costume. costume store and got a nun's outfit. <laughs> 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 so that's what she uh, wore. So it was hysterical. The trains were going on the Manhattan Bridge, so you couldn't hear. So she had to stop a couple of times. But it, was, I mean, it was New York. It was expected. And there was people in the park. I mean, there was all kinds. A beautiful, heartwarming day, chaotic and loving, surrounded by their kids and family and onlookers. 
20 years for a marriage license. But in the meantime, Frankie and Kelly created a welcoming and nurturing sanctuary for eight children, plus dogs, cats, a pig, and a duck. What love has created, let no laws drive asunder. Will you be my refuge, my haven in the storm? Will you keep the embers warm when my fire's all but gone? Will you remember? This week's episode was produced by Jennifer Bass with recordings from Betsy Joes. Thanks to Carrie Newcomer and Blue Dot Sessions for musical clips. Support for Just Married comes from the Indiana University's Department of Gender Studies, the Office for Vice President for Research, New Frontiers Program, and the IU Bloomington Arts and Humanities Council. WFHB's Blooming Out is our podcast host. It's gonna take some time till the world feels safe again. Will you be my refuge? Welcome back from Blooming Out. And uh, wow, that was the first time uh, Kelly and I actually listened to this, so... A lot of laughing and some red faces. <laughs> that was lovely. Yeah. I love that. Uh, it was, story. yeah, it was a uh, good job on, on, on the, on the story you did. There. Thanks. The, the end credits got left off of this somehow, but, um, I just, you know, listen, listening to the two of you for the past week, putting this together, I feel like I've been living with you <laughs> <laughs> and I know the kids a bit. You didn't really hear the details about the kids because that wasn't really what it's about. But, um, but I, you know, here it is a few years later and yeah, how are they doing? They're, you can, I, I do all the talking. So Kelly you can <laughs> actually talk. <laughs> They're all good. They're all doing well. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I got smacked just now. <laughs> I'm the record to stay <laughs> and put them on the spot. Um, yeah, they're doing great. They're um, one just graduated high school a little early. Um, one we got two at home that are no longer in school, um, and they're kind of figuring out what their next path is. Um, and then we have three still in high school at this point. Um, so they're getting big and lots of sports still. Um, we, we're a hockey family right now in the winter. Mm-hmm. And then we'll s- start baseball and cross country. And you have a grandchild. We have two grandchildren. <laughs> we have, yeah, Mimsy um, is the baby. Mm-hmm. And of course, named after my mother, Mimsy. And that was, uh, um, that's aw- awesome. And then, of course, uh, Maya, who's uh, four now. And uh, we spend a lot of time together, and you know, it's I, I love it because I had you know I have a little girl Alicia who's not such a little girl anymore. She's eighteen. Um, not yet. Not till the third. <laughs> oh, that's till the third. Wow. That's right. It's been a countdown <laughs> for <laughs> weeks and months. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it has been. But it's it's been fun having the girls. Um, you know, they just definitely it's different. Mm-hmm. So on Mondays we have Mimsy Monday and Maya Monday. And where I just I don't work, I just hang out with the granddaughters, and we go do bad things, and eat gar- gar- our organic food, and you know watch PBS, you know everything the parents tell us to do, right? Not. Right. No. <laughs> no, we 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 listen to them. Um, so no, it's it's been quite the the journey. 
And you never did go on that Rosie O'Donnell cruise, did you? No. <laughs> I don't know if that cruise is ever happening. But, uh, no. We're, the next cruise that we're going to go on is a, just a big gay cruise. Yeah, they, they have ours. <laughs> the two of you, maybe? But yeah, no, no kids. I'm no not kids. going. He, he doesn't like cruises. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be stuck on a boat with a bunch of homosexuals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, no, I mean, well, we we like take our mini trips. Kelly and I will go. We got went to Vegas not long ago, mm-hmm. and you know, so we we do family trips, and about two three times a year, we'll go off and do our own thing. So which is really important. Um, yeah. But now the kids are getting bigger. You know, things are, are are quite different on on how we can plan travel and things. I mean, there's things that we have to worry about, like making sure that people aren't having parties and they're not escaping the house <laughs> to go hang out at a party, or we're maybe in Vegas. That might have happened or not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so no, it's been um, you know, it's been like I said, I keep saying it's been quite the journey. We live in an amazing um, area, cul-de-sac. It's called the Village of Elderberry. And we have... The same cul-de-sac that Kelly went cruising on? No, <laughs> actually down the road from that one. Um, but, uh, uh, <laughs> but we have, um, you know, it's amazing. Wherever we move, we always seem to find just incredible people. And we've found the spot with six, seven houses of just just a loving group of, of mm. individuals that that look after us as well as our children and vice versa. And it just, you know, I think if people could come over and kind of see what's possible, yeah. you know, we're kind of the, 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 the mini of what the world could be. Right. There's, there's one piece that I didn't put in. Well, of course, we spoke for about two and a half hours, and that was 10 minutes. But uh, there's a story you told of a neighbor who was dying of cancer, mm-hmm. who was a member of the local evangelical church, right. I believe, right? right? Mm-hmm. And how the kids had gone out, and she was she had a big picture window, mm-hmm. and they they made a snowman for her. Yeah, right. Yeah. They yeah. So when we moved into the um, neighborhood, um, this was years ago, and, and a lot of the neighborhoods kind of turned over since then so I don't think any there's not too many people left from that time but um, you know here we come this couple with and they were very young at this point children and like what's this all about and she wasn't sick at the time but she you know met this is the first time she'd ever been exposed or met gay a gay family and um, it, it changed her world and um, she was literally probably had a couple weeks left and our kids were quite young and nobody encouraged them and they went out and built three little snowmen and faced it towards the house and she looked at the window and um you know it was you know one of one of those magical kind of winter Did, stories didn't she then approach her minister yeah so at, at some point before then um she did she had a conversation with her minister um about gay marriage and she basically disagreed with him and said, you know, I had the opportunity to meet this family and not only meet this family, I lived next door to this family and um, just basically changed her whole, you know, view on, on, on gay families that, it, it, you know, there's what's possible. But before we actually met her, we had uh, did some yard work on the house because it was sort of overgrown and a little unkempt. So 
she was already happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the gays come in and, yeah. you know. We, we, we but, but isn't that really how it happens? One family at a time, one person at a time, one person going back to their church and saying, this, you know, this isn't right. This is our, these are our people. This is uh, not a Christian thing to do. So. Right. And I think that's, a, you know, kind of how we change people. It's kind of one person at a time we move in. It's not, you know, we're not necessarily hanging up the gay flap flag and pride flag and you know we're, we're, we're us we're who we are mm-hmm. and they get to know us as people and you know they might get to know us individually first and you know we don't come out and say hi I'm Frankie this is my you know we've, we've never kind of been out like that you know maybe now but that was what 15 16 years ago um, we have a neighbor that actually goes around and tells everybody <laughs> all the new people that all come the in. Oh, you, this is this so and so and so and so, and that's a gay couple, and blah blah blah. You have all these kids, <laughs> but it's okay. I mean, Ms. you know Kravitz. who you are, Jim. <laughs> oh, Jim Kravitz. <laughs> but no, out of, out of love and, and, and just being funny. Yeah. So yeah, it's been you know it's 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 what's possible, you know, out there and right. And then your marriage itself. 25 years, is that what you're... 25 years of togetherness, yeah. five years of marriage, right? Correct. Was there a difference in those five years? Did you... No. <laughs> in what way? Yeah. In no way. It's not any different than before. <laughs> it's no different. Even tax purposes? Yeah, I mean, there's... Well, that, there's but I mean, I just meant like... Well, yeah. I, you know what? I disagree. I mean, it's, it's different... <laughs> well, I mean, when you got married, I didn't think it was going to make a difference. I didn't think, I think we're just doing it for the, you know, for whatever. Um, but when, when the wedding went on and it happened, for me, because I have the heart. <laughs> oh. Uh-oh. Wait a minute. <laughs> um, it did feel different. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, there was something about it. And I did not expect that. And I would have laughed at anyone who said that. But it was very different. You know, just it was my I don't know. I, I can't even explain mm-hmm. what it was, but it, it did make a difference for me when, when we did that. I don't, you know, did you know, Kelly? It's <laughs> like, <laughs> 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 just move along. <laughs> you don't want to be the same person, right? You definitely are two different people. Yes, we're definitely. Yeah, we're yin and yang <laughs> as they come. So but we've yeah. we've learned to, you know, take up and you but you've know. you've been you know this this you know couple of like a power couple and <laughs> I like that right and uh, it just in the community uh, in the school community and the the greater community you know you you set an example and uh, and that's beautiful so I'm yeah it's just you know we we've you know haven't really been like afraid to kind of put it out there and talk about it and you know back in the day you know going to the university and talking to the students you know with Doug Bowder and those groups 20 years ago mm-hmm. you know kind of talking about you know people that hadn't been exposed at all you right. know because you didn't have the internet you didn't have really TV shows or wasn't out there having those conversations so just always being comfortable to to to, to answer questions and when we still are mm-hmm. i don't think we ever get offended or have ever got offended that that questions that people ask because if they don't ask we can't explain so some people get you know really kind of bent out of shape when he's like well i can't believe they asked that or whatever and i'm like no i mean i i want people to ask questions and and you know they might be uncomfortable questions and they might seem silly um, but they're not. Right. You know, it's just they didn't know. People are trying to understand. They're trying to, you know, accept 
this situation where they can be exposed to somebody uh, who they might have they know that they have uh, incorrect preconceived notions about right and so putting yourself out there exposing yourself is probably the wrong term so, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so definitely. Is, is you know it's essential to for people to understand and for people to know and to counter the kind of messaging that has been going on uh, that brings up like for the news stories the situations right. that you know, these are people who don't don't understand what a loving gay couple looks like. Right. And and we, you know, we're really the first, you know, gay couple out there. I mean, you know, m- same, well, male couple. I mean, we, you still don't see a lot in Bloomington. They have younger, I mean, we have a couple friends that have younger, you know, kids that are, um, you know, gay. But you see a lot of lesbian couples. Um, so we, we did, you know, we had nobody to ask. You know, at that time, we we were those guys, mm-hmm. and we just had to like figure it out and 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 move on and, and and you know kind of reinvent the will in some way, and we didn't know what the, our expectations are going to be. But I have to say, the community and at large, even back then, the school system here in Murrow County, and you know, just we we don't have a lot of stories to tell about being discriminated against within this community. It was people got it they loved us they loved our kids they supported us and we don't have like too many stories to tell i think they were so shocked by the idea that you would have eight children no matter (laughs) who you are right yeah (laughs) Yeah. i mean our life is uh organized chaos Mm -hmm. you know that's what we live and it's just kind of normal for us on that one so um Thank you so much, Jennifer, for coming in. And, yes. You know, yes, we thank you. We <laughs> love yeah. your... Uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity. I love your story. Yeah. And, um, the, you know, that uh, we can't wait till next month to hear the, the, the next story out there. But we're out of time. Um, so I want to say thank you uh, ask to my, my husband <laughs> here, for Kelly, for coming in. Um, an additional thank you to all of our listeners and volunteers who make this possible. I'm Melanie Davis. Blooming Out is produced by Frankie Presloff. Our executive producer is WFHB News Director Wes Martin. Lucas Fisher is our regular engineer, but our guest engineer today is Wenyan Lee. Um, Blooming Out's community liaison is Alex Ashkin. Our interns are Jasper Tony, Wenyan Lee, and myself, Ireland Meacham. Um, I'm Frankie Presloff, and remember... If everything was straight, roller coasters would be one long, boring ride. Good night and happy holidays from your Blooming Out family. You've been listening to Blooming Out on WFHB. Blooming Out is a product of WFHB's News and Public Affairs Department. Tune in every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. for Indiana's only LGBTQ plus news and public affairs program. You can hear this and other programs online at WFHB.org. Comments and suggestions for future topics or guests can be sent to bloomingout at WFHB.org. That is bloomingout at WFHB.org. And thank you for listening. Remember, this is what I'm about.